Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, exciting to be here today, and we're, we're trying to make spring happen, aren't we? I, I think it's there, and of course, with spring, we're all excited about NCAA baseball season starting, right? Yeah, I hear, I hear UVA is going to have a great baseball team this year. Baseball, we're talking about baseball, right? <laughs> oh, exciting for our, our Wahoo fans, and uh, is that how you say it, Wahoo they're kind of like wahoos to me. But anyway, uh, excited for them. Hey, I, I, I hope they win. I hope they're going to bring home the championship tomorrow night. And uh, excited for their coach and the team and the school. That's going to that's gonna be great when they beat those Red Raiders. That's, that's what we're saying by faith. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Hey, special day here in the life of the, the Heights Baptist Church. We are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Buddy Ham serving on our staff. Yep. Nick, go ahead and applaud that. I know many of you know him. Yeah. And uh, no, normally when we're doing that, they're standing here with me, right? And, uh, but, but Buddy is, as many of you know, our, our campus pastor out at Midlothian. I said, hey, why don't you come here and we can do that? He said, no, he wanted to be out there at the campus today. And they've already uh, acknowledged that out there in their service. But he, ha- he has been with us now 15 years. Many of those years as our children's pastor, the last six or so as our campus pastor. And Buddy serves in an excellent, wonderful way, in a lot of different ways. But I tell you, when I, when I think of Buddy, I, he is an all-star utility player. Uh, whatever he does inside his job description, even beyond that, whatever it takes to make the team win, Buddy and Carrie both just jump in and they have a gift of, of making it happen. And we are a better staff. We're a better church uh, because we've had Buddy and Carrie Ham with us. And, of course, we talk about 15 years of them being on their staff. Buddy actually comes from several generations of members of the Heights family here. So Buddy was here nine months before Buddy was here. Uh, it, he may be on our staff 15 years, but uh, he goes back a pretty long way with our family. Love you, buddy and Carrie. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Go ahead and applaud them one more time. I want them to hear your love out there. All right. Well, now that we're having fun, let's turn and not have fun. <laughs> let's ask a difficult question. What is the sin that you keep close by? You, you, you know you're going to fail. You know you're going back to it. We play a little game with ourselves that we have a, and I'm using the bunny ears. That means I'm using the word the wrong way, right? We have an innocent, we have an innocent way of managing that, that sin. We, we keep it right there where we can reach it and, and tell ourselves that we're managing it well. But every time we fail, it's, it's right there. I'm going to step out on a limb and say, about every one of us has that. One, two, a situation, a person, we keep it right there at arm's length, tell ourselves that we're managing it well, even though we will fail again. We'll we'll think about that for a moment. We're going to come back to that. We're continuing today our 42 messages through the entire Bible, trying to get a grasp of the whole story of Scripture in 2019 through 42 messages, and that has us today in Judges. Judges, go ahead and turn there now. It's the seventh book 
in your Bible. It's uh, right after Deuteronomy and Joshua, right before Ruth and the first and second Samuels. If you're thumbing through, that's where it is. And uh, get to Judges. Judges is a, gosh, I don't know what else to call it, but just a tiresome story of man's failure. Now, the good news is that becomes the backdrop for the wonderful story of God's faithfulness. But we are going to see in Judges a, a, a big hunk of time. And, and in this hunk of time, we're going to see seven seasons, seven stories, seven different time periods. But in each one of those time periods, in each one of those seasons, we're going to see the same cycle run over and over And it's a cycle of failure. It's a cycle of them walking away from God, betraying God, and returning to their sin. Over and over, they do this. There's a couple of reasons they do that. One, because of the question I'm trying to get us to think about. They tell themselves they're dealing with their sin, but they don't. It's always nearby. They start telling themselves that the way to manage it is, I I can do it. I mean, we're going to see a phrase... Every person does what is right in their own eyes. I mean, the scripture, I know that's our, that's our holy book. That's, but I don't know. What, I don't know what all you can trust in here today and believe in here today. I think I know what Jesus wants. I, I think I know what is right and wrong. I mean, they were, they were, we say that in our culture today. They were saying that 2,900 years ago. Another thing we're going to see in Judges is a kind of a new relationship with a false god. His, his name is Baal. In Hebrew, it's Baal, but almost nobody in church says it that way, so I'll just go with the way we say it, Baal. And, and, and Baal is the, the prominent deity, the prominent god in the Canaanite culture, and it's a, the, the god of agriculture and animal husbandry, and how about this, sex and sexuality. Doesn't it always come back to that? You know, quite often the false gods we create, and we all do, we, we tend to think of words like false gods and attribute that to the, the olden days when people more, were more superstitious and those kinds of things. But we create false gods and our false gods help us serve our lusts, our, our desires, our ideas. We don't call them gods, but we create these ways that we serve ourselves and the Israelites would abandon their God and they would, they would go and they would serve the God of Baal because Baal served their lusts. Let's see what this cycle looks like. Look, look, look up here on the screen. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, simple. It starts off with, we reject God and his word. More than likely, they're not, nobody is standing up saying, I reject God. I no longer believe in the Bible. That's not usually what is happening. Usually what happens is we just wander away. I don't tend to wander away. It's just, I I mean, I live in a culture. I live in a world. This is what the Israelites would say. It's what we would say where where everything out there is going to lead me away from God. So if I'm living out there, it's just easy to kind of start wandering that way. And one day, wow, I never intended on doing this, but I have a love affair with a God that's not real. And I've rejected the one who who is. And that's going to lead to consequences. And when you break a law, there's, there's consequences, right? Th- think, things are going to turn bad. Th- think of God's laws as like the law of gravity. You can reject it. You can say, I don't really believe in that anymore. But I wouldn't suggest really testing that on the top of a building. 
that the law will work, and if you, if you break the law, the, the law will have a consequence, whether we want it to or not. And, and when we go splat, and we always will, then we're going to cry out for help. I'm in a mess. I can't fix it. I need somebody to help me get out of this. We're going to cry out for help. And the amazing thing is God answers. And, and he sends, I, I, I put in quotes, judge. I bet nobody in here has ever prayed, Lord, send me a judge. <laughs> that doesn't, I don't think I want a judge. We're going to find out that, that you do. We've got to understand what that word means. So that's the cycle. And what we're going to see in Judges is that cycle played out seven times. And, and with each time, it gets a little worse. The, the, the sin goes a little bit wider, a little bit deeper. The consequences become more and more severe. Because you know what? While we tell ourselves that we can manage our sin, we can't. We're always living on the verge of, of out of control. And so in Judges, we're going to see seven cycles of this. But what I just described real quickly there, I want you to see it in Scripture. There's a short description of this in Judges chapter 2. Look there, Judges chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 11 to 18 and see if you can pick out these four things happening. They're going to be described here. Judges chapter 2 verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who'd brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. And then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who'd obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity. The Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who'd afflicted and oppressed them. Let's think here about what's happening, what what goes on. Okay, folks, we, we go after our sin. We act like it sneaks up on us. We act like we, you know, how did I get here? But, but we go after our sin. We go after our sin because it works for us. It, it gets us what we want. I, I, it brings me happiness. It brings me power. It brings me revenge. It helps me uh, accomplish something. It, it gets me what I want. But it gets me what I want in a wrong way. And, and so there's always going to be a consequence. You know, the, the law of gravity holds us to the earth. The law of gravity isn't there just to make you go splat. No, it, it has a good point. It, it holds us to the earth, right? God's laws are not just arbitrary rules in this board game on how to get to heaven. No, no, God's laws govern our relationship with each other. It governs our relationship with God. And what it produces is love. 
and joy and peace and goodness. Those are products of God. Those things belong to him. And he's created laws so that you and I could tap into that. Well, when I break those laws, then, gosh, lo and behold, I'm going to experience quite the opposite of, of love and joy and goodness and peace. And so we experience the consequences of that, and sometimes those consequences get bad enough that we're sad. And if I get sad enough, I say, hey, God, come, come help me. God, come get me out of this. And, and we make promises, right? I'm not going to do that again. I, I don't want to do that again. I'm, I'm going to be better. And, and so what I do is I start to manage my sin to prove to God that I, I deserve his help. But here's where we, we draw this kind of innocent line. We take two steps back from our sin and we say, okay, right here I'm innocent. But, but my sin is still right there within arm's length. Oh, we know, we know, okay, porn, that's bad. I, I, you know, I feel bad when I do that and, 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 I, and I know it makes me think wrong. And boy, I've got to, I've got to step back from that. So I, I know that looking at people having sex and I know that looking at that nudity, that's, that's wrong. So I take two steps back and what do I do? I don't look at that, but I look at something that just as much keeps lust alive. And I tell myself, well, I'm not looking at, at that, so this is okay. But all we're doing is keeping it right there in arm's length. You know, we, we know we got friends that we party with. And I love those friends, but oh my gosh, every time I'm with them, I make bad decisions. Every time I'm with them, I end up in a, in a bad place. Man, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm gonna st- they're still going to be my friends. We're still going to go to lunch and play ball. I'm just not going to do that. But as long as it's there, it's within arm's reach. I'm not going to go in and buy. I'm just going to window shop. We just keep it there at arm's length. And and what we do, I think, you know, maybe sometimes I can actually draw this line and I, yeah, my sin's right out there, but I'm not doing that because I'm on this side of the line. But the only reason, the only way I stay on this side of the line is when I'm strong. And, And that's where we make our mistake is we're managing only in light of our strength. On my strongest day, I can resist looking and doing and being those things. But folks, nobody lives in a strong day every day. Not one of you. Not me. That that, that life doesn't exist. The weak moment, the bad day is always on its way back. And if I'm living right there on the line, if I'm living right there in arm's reach of my sin, it doesn't even take that bad of a day. It doesn't even take that week of a moment before I'm right there back in it. Man, our, 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 our problem is that we're not really dealing with our sin. Saying I'm sorry, feeling shame and feeling bad about myself and telling God it's going to be different. That's not handling sin. Not when I'm keeping it right there where I can reach it. This is exactly what the cycle shows us that we see in Judges. Judges 2.12, it says up here, they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were what? That word around is important. I know we can read right. Oh, that's, that's not really communicating anything. That's just saying the people out there. Folks, look what's around you at work. Look what's around you at school. Look what's around you every time you turn on the TV. 
It's around. And when it's around, it's always calling to me. And we're not being serious about removing it. I mean, folks, we're growing strong in the Lord or we're growing strong in leaving the Lord. I'm growing strong in loving God or I'm growing weak in God. And we've got to look at everything in our lives is contributing. It's building up the the part of me that wants to stay around Jesus or it's building up the part of me that will ultimately abandon Jesus. And right away we say, I mean, we're thinking of, I can't remove that though. Which is why it's so important that we do remove what we can remove. We're not removing anything. That's a little bit of an overstatement maybe. But honestly, folks, we just don't remove anything. We keep everything. Oh, I mean, I'm on this side of the line. But it's right there. We're not removing what we can remove. And and maybe there are some things that I can't remove, but I need to reduce it to the smallest presence in my life I can the smallest influence in my life that I can folks this this, listen this is why the scripture says what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness what fellowship has light with darkness for you and me all the fellowship in the world we're absolutely comfortable with fellowship don't anybody in here act like who's he talking about you is who I'm talking about we have grown, we have grown absolutely comfortable living among the Baals, living among the false gods and worshiping them. And we have these little pretend lines where we tell ourselves that we're okay while we wander away from God and, and we betray him. We're not dealing severely. We're not dealing strictly with our sin but folks, this is, this is what Jesus said when, when he said, hey, li- hey, listen, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. No, Jesus is not looking for a band of one-eyed followers. But what, when you say pluck it out, what's your first thought? Well, that's a little over the top. Jesus, yes, I want you to absolutely be over the top in how you handle what is constantly and continually leading you away from me. I want you to be over the top about that. And you and I, what are we doing? In reality, folks, we're just managing. We're trying to, we're trying to handle our sin with almost no change in our life at all. I'm not going to turn anything off. I'm not going to get anything out of my reach. I'm just, my plan is to be forever strong. Look at your life. Do you have two weeks in a row where you've proved you can be strong every day? No, you don't. We're managing that I'm totally strong and I can just keep it right there. Folks, what we're managing is getting right back to our sin as soon as we need it. And so we start feeling shame and we start feeling bad. And, and some of us, we are saved. We are filled with the Spirit. And I know I shouldn't be doing that. I know, man, I feel horrible. I, I mean, why would God even listen to me say I'm sorry? Have you ever done something and thought, I'm supposed to tell the Lord I'm sorry here, but why, why even say it? I mean, when it's the, you know, the 789th time, and I'm pretty sure there'll be 789 more, what's, what's the point of saying, I'm sorry, and guess what? Our false God comes to our rescue. 
And he says, hey, hey, don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel shame. And you're, you're not the problem. God's the problem. God's word is the problem. No, there's no lines. You're okay. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. A phrase we're going to see over and over and over. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is running. We're not talking about the world. The world doesn't follow God and his word. It's believers that do that. It's you and I. This is running through the church. I can be spiritual. I can be good. But I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that all this we can trust. I think some of it's changed. Some of this doesn't even make sense anymore. And besides, everybody makes fun of me if I say I believe this. So you know what? I think I can decide what God is okay with. I, I think I can decide what God will accept as worship and what God will accept as obedience and, and what God will be okay with. I'm just going to do what's right in my own eyes. Hey, I can do this, but the concrete feels the same when you hit it. But, but the law is, is still in place. And, and we say we're sorry. I mean, every now and then, especially if we have some element of a church upbringing, a church background, we've read the Bible. I mean, every now and then we're going to think, I, maybe I should ask God for help. God, God, come get me out of this. And so God, throughout the, the book of the Judges, is going to send a shofet. That's the Hebrew word, singular, plural, shofetim. God, God's going to send the shofet. It, the word means judge. It means ruler. Again, I, do I want a judge in my life? Well, the other idea behind that word is a savior, a, a, a deliverer, somebody who's going to deliver me out of the hands of that enemy, that is going to deliver me out of the concrete that I keep hitting, is going to come and rescue me. And the shofet would not only defeat the enemy, would stop the plunderers, but then would lead Israel back to a place where they're, they're walking in the right path and they can enjoy the goodness of God's laws and what it will produce in their lives. But they wander away again. <laughs> You know, it says there in verse 18, and we heard the word anger a lot. You know, we need to understand the word anger. Anger comes from a lot of different places. Most of the time that it comes from you and me, we're angry because we're utterly selfish, and I'm not getting what I want, when I want, the way I want. Or, Or that anger comes from pride, or that anger comes from frustration. God's anger isn't coming from frustration. It's not coming from pride. It's not coming from selfishness. God's anger is coming from love. He is the good father who gives us every good thing and we break and abuse every good thing he gives us and then come back and have more. He gives us truth and we're just so in love with the lie. And yes, he gets angry because we're destroying ourselves and we're destroying everything around us and all he wants to give is good. And yet there it says in verse 18, and he feels pity. Think of all the things we question about God. Think of all the things you hear people. I don't know if God's fair. I don't know if God's just. Well, if God has wisdom, if God has power, where was he there? You know one thing you never hear people questioning is God's love and forgiveness. I mean, shouldn't you think, God, why in the world would you believe me when I say it's going to be different this time? Have you ever asked that question? 
God, why would you forgive? I'm giving you absolutely no evidence that it'll be one bit different. We don't question that, do we? We receive it. We don't question it. Yes, God's angry. Yes, God's letting the consequences hit their life. And it hurts them. And he feels pity. And he sends the shofet. You know, we have a shofet, don't we? We have a deliverer, Jesus Christ. That, that's our shofet. He's the one that delivers us out of the hole of sin and death and hell. And he pulls us up out of that hole, a hole we could never get out of on our own. Oh, we play these little games that I'm on the right side of the line and I'm a good person. You're a good person in a hole going to hell. And he comes and he delivers us out of that hole. And he puts us on the road to victory. And he says, you don't need to figure anything out. Just follow me. And we wander away. Not one bit different from the Israelites. None at all. We, we, we wander away. Do right. I, I, you know what? I think this is what it means to follow Christ. You know what, folks? If I'm walking away from God's word, I'm walking away from God. There, there's not a love of God. There's not a worship of God. There's not a knowledge of God that is separate from his word, that is distinct from his word, that is denying his word. That doesn't exist. And, and, and we walk away. Instead of managing our sin, folks, we need to be delivered from it. We need to be figuring out not, not how I kind of stay good and kind of stay righteous, but the sin is still right there. I'm not actually going to change anything. I'm not actually going to turn anything off. I'm not going to actually get away from any. I'm going to keep it right We need to be figuring out how we're going to build up Christ in our lives and tear down the sin. And, and, you know, this isn't like, oh, this is the mystery. No, it's, it's real simple. I need to talk to Jesus every single day. If I want to keep Jesus around, I need to talk to him every single day. I need to read the word of God every single day. You know why it has to be every day? Because every day I'm around the bales. Every day I'm around the influence that will lead me to wander away. And it's not an accident that I wander away because the false gods feed my lust and desires. The most natural thing we do is go chasing after sin. So, man, I got to talk to Jesus every day. Jesus, help me think like you think. Help me to see that like you see it. Help me to respond the way you would respond And I've got to be in God's word every day so that I don't start answering my own prayers. Well, I think this is how Jesus would respond. Well, I think this is what Jesus would say. Well, I'm pretty sure this is what Jesus means. He didn't ask us to make it up. He said, really, what I need you to do is stop trusting yourself so much. And get in my word and let my word define who I am, how I think, where I'm going, what I'm doing, what the agenda for today is. Let my word define that. Man, I need to be around people, right? I need to be around people who want to be around Jesus every single day. I, you know what? I am going to be around people who do not like Jesus. I'm going to be around people who mock Jesus. I can't totally change that. I want to reduce it as much as I can, but I can't totally change it. So I've got to work really hard at building up the influences in my life. Folks, who you're around, what you're around is where you're going. Stop telling yourself that anything different is happening. 
man, I want to get with people that are going with God. And, you know, obviously God gives us the church as a head start to finding those people. But, you know, gosh, this is sad to say. Even when we come to church, we got to have a little discernment, right? Because not everybody in church actually thinks this is something I need. I can decide. I know. I'm not a bad person. I'm a very spiritual person. And pretty soon we can have people right here in our midst that are leading me to worship the Baals. I mean, who do we trust more than our friends and people at... at, Folks, it's not just, hey, who goes to the same building I go to once a week? Who's in his word? Who's talking to him? Who's trying to tear down the sin and, and build up? The walk in relationship with the Lord. That's who I need to be around as much as possible. I I need to stop trusting in myself. I need to stop trusting that I've got this incredible wisdom and insight on on what is right and wrong. I I need to stop thinking that that I'm the standard by which I can tell myself that I'm okay. Instead of doing number four, we cycle back around to number two. And we let God's word define and shape now, I want to tell you something about numbers one and four, one through four. I, I've done numbers one through four. I've done them a lot, probably as much as anybody in this room, probably as consistently as anybody in this room. I've done numbers one through four and gone right back to my sin. I know I'm not I'm not saying I heard somewhere. I know firsthand what it feels like to probably tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I don't even believe my words. Why would I say it? And all the while doing number one through four. Folks, the power behind one through four is number five. We have to cling to the cross. And what so many have done, man, so many of us, we know, we understand, we preach grace. And we receive God's grace that first day. And then we go right back to work. We go right back to our weakness. We go right back to our ignorance. As Jeremiah says, we go back to the deceitfulness of our own heart. We need the cross. We need to be saved every single day. Now that's, that, that statement should confuse some of y'all. Because we don't believe we need to be saved every day, do we? Yes, you do. Well, no, you don't. No in a big way, yes in a small way. <laughs> What do I mean? Let's talk. These are not biblical words. This is not good theology. Let's talk about big salvation and little salvation. Many of us in this room, we have experienced the big salvation. There was a day we understand I can't dig myself out of that hole of sin and death and hell. And we came to understand that God loves us and that God did a work for us at the cross where our sin was paid for. And in the power of the resurrection, we could be lifted out of that hole, adopted as a child of God, forgiven and live in God's love. Amen. And when we do that, we do it once because God's not looking for the way to send you to hell. He's looking for the way to save you. And if you'll call out, he says, I'm there. You've got my pity and I'm ready to send the shofet. And we're saved and we're saved forever. You can't undo being a child of God. That's once. And every day after that,
No, not all over fresh again. I I call for Jesus to come save me from sin, death, and hell. But folks, Jesus, we can't reduce the word Savior and Deliverer just to the ultimate salvation. We need to be delivered every single day. And we're not going to be delivered because we work real hard at it. We're going to be delivered because we cling to the cross. Jesus, deliver me from my way of thinking. Deliver me from my love for that sin. Deliver me from why I use it and what I think I'm accomplishing in it. God, deliver me from needing that approval from them so bad that I put myself in their hands to do whatever they want. God, deliver me from that. No, we're not asking to be delivered from hell to heaven, but we are being asked to be delivered from ourselves. And you know what? The more we cling to Christ, the more we hold on to that grace. Oh, I wish it was just do these four things and instantly it disappears. It's a bit of a process. But the more I cling to that cross, the less the bales attract me. The less that sin shows what it can do for me. Folks, it's humility. Pride tells me I can manage my... As a matter of fact, in my pride, oh God, do you see how ashamed I feel? Do you see how bad... Look how I can, look how I can punish myself and, and feel so bad while I keep the sin right there. See, in my strength, in my management, I'll decide how it's all. And all we see is a cycle of failure over and over and over and over. If we want to break the failure, we've got to be delivered. We've got to ask for Jesus to deliver us every single day. It's not an experience. You know, it would be a good time. Run down to the altar and ask Jesus to deliver you from your sins. Folks, our problem isn't what happens or doesn't happen at the altar. Our problem is what happens when we're around them. That's where we've got to say, God, deliver me. Are you managing your sin? Or are you asking God to deliver you from it? And joining him in removing everything that keeps that sin so, so attractive and available. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom. Lord, some of us, we've told our lies so many times we believe it. It's the absolute truth to us. God, let us see the very sins that that shame us and make us feel so bad. We've done everything we can to keep them at right there where we can get a hold of them. God, would you help us to move? Let us see this week. Let us see all week long what's happening in our lives when we sin and, and, and help us to move from trying to manage our sin to crying out to you to be delivered. And thank you that, God, while there is no reason to believe me, you continue to feel pity and you continue to offer the shofet. My deliverer is always there. Deliver us, O God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.